you have your Bibles, please open with me to the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians. We're going to be wrapping up our series today, Hope in the Dark. And for those of you who were here, (coughs) excuse me, for those of you who were here last week, you noticed that we began to take a shift here in this sermon series, and we began to look at how we can rejoice in the middle of our problems. How can we rejoice in the middle of the pain, in the middle of loss and circumstance? And Peter talked about all of these different reasons and how they are the testing of our faith and how they make us, uh, how they remind us of our unity with Christ as we partake in Christ's suffering and the, the glory and the joy that comes with that. Now, uh, how many of you in here would be uh, kind enough to participate in a um, a little bit of a, not really a game, but just to answer honestly in church? All right, so you haven't, you have, I have to ask you the question first. So I appreciate your participation already. Now, how many of you could raise your hand and say, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are things in my life that did not go as planned. Yeah. So for those of you who didn't raise your hand, I want to know what you're doing. <laughs> like seriously. <laughs> like hey, there are moments in our lives where things happen and it completely derails us. Would you agree with that? Moments that redirect us. Sometimes moments that even destroy us in the moment. Would you guys agree with that? There are these moments. It's almost as if life is throwing mean curveballs our way in the shape of sickness and sorrow and tragedy and health issues and accidents and financial struggles and loss of a job or loss of a loved one. Sometimes these hardships, they, they come, these trials, they, they, the pain, the, the problems of life They can leave us wondering, where in the world is God? What in the world is God doing? Why is he allowing this to happen? When will this problem end? Anybody ever been in that boat? When? And in an effort to answer those questions, we can And we must turn to God's word and not only gain wisdom and insight from it, but we can also get the perspective of somebody who was in a situation that certainly lent itself to ask those questions that we have all asked, that we've all thought and wondered about. And so before we even dive into our passage of scripture, for those of you gold star students, those note takers in here, I want you to write something down. Our God can take the trials and tragedies of life and turn them to good and use them for his glory. You know, much like us, the Apostle Paul had plans. He had plans and places to go. He wanted to go and meet and see people. He had dreams. Paul had desires, things that he wanted to accomplish before the end of his life. His goal ultimately was to go to Rome at the end of his life. And for those of you who studied through the book of Romans with us in the fall of last year, you remember this. But in the book of Acts, 
Luke says that Paul's purpose in his spirit was to pass through Macedonia and to go to Jerusalem and say afterwards, I will go and visit Rome and teach them of all things that Christ did. Paul thought that he was going to Rome as a preacher. But if, if you've ever studied the life of Paul, you know that he ended up in Rome not as a preacher, but as a prisoner. He went as a prisoner. He made it there, but not the way that he planned to get there. Paul was illegally arrested. He was falsely accused. He was unlawfully jailed. And why? Because he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why. And so Paul makes an appeal to Caesar, which was his right under Roman law. And Caesar doesn't buy into it. Caesar doesn't do anything with it except for what Caesar wants to do. And does anyone remember the story of what happens to Paul? I'm not asking you to shout it out, but if you remember, Paul is sentenced, sentenced to be chained to a jailer 24 hours a day, every day under house arrest, chained to another person. Imagine that. Imagine being chained to another person where you can't get more than 12 inches away from them, day after day, hour after hour. And while you and I are here today and struggling with whatever circumstance that we may be dealing with, we may be tempted to question and wonder what God is up to in the midst of our chains. But we must never lose sight of the fact that we must see God's purpose in the midst of those chains. So if you would, look with me at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and I would like for us to look at just a few verses here this morning. Let's start in verse number 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all of the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel." The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. But then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. And this is God's word for us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask right now that you would use the Holy Spirit to illuminate these truths for us today and these few verses that we have laid out before us. And Lord, give us encouragement as we walk through the circumstances and situations of this life. Give us peace, comfort, and, and above all else, joy so that we can keep rejoicing. And I ask and pray these things now in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. So the first thing I want us to see here in the text this morning is that our problem opens up opportunities for the gospel to advance. Our problems in this life, they open up opportunities for the gospel to advance. What we understand in these few verses here is that Paul was not complaining about his situation. 
He was not sitting around saying, well, what can I do now? Or, or woe is me? Or why is this happening to me? In fact, his attitude was contrary to the attitude that we here in America often take when something happens. He simply employed the phrase here in the text, the things that happened unto me. They're just things. Paul wanted the church to know that God's blessing and God's power was still with him even though he was chained to a jailer. Even though he was under house arrest, God's power and God's blessing was still with him. Paul was not outside of the will of God here in the text. God's work was still continuing. Paul said the gospel was going forward. God didn't waste Paul's time in his imprisonment. The gospel went out even in the midst of it happening. Do you know when Paul was chained to that specific jailer, he wrote four books of the New Testament. He wrote the book of Philippians right here to the church at Philippi. He wrote the book of, Ephes- or of Ephesians to the church at Ephesus. And he also wrote to the book, of Col- or the, the book of Colossians to the church at Colossae. At the same time that he began to pen his work to the church at Corinth in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. All while he was chained to an unbelieving jailer. God never, ever wasted his time during that period. In fact, church, God never wastes our time either in the midst of our suffering and pain. In fact, we often are the ones that waste it by not sensing God's purpose in our life for that specific moment of time. We look at the text and we realize very quickly that Paul made a choice. And that choice is one that we have to make as well. We, we can choose to complain about the problems that we have or the problems that we had. We can seek to cast blame on somebody else if there are other people involved in our circumstances or situation. We can question God who allowed the challenging circumstances into our life or, or we can choose to see our problems as opportunities for God to work. The chains that Paul had were not only divinely planned here in the text, but they were productive. It was productive in his life. They didn't just handcuff him and leave him there and nothing else happened, but it enabled Paul to get the gospel into places that it had never been before. I want you to look back in the text with me. He says in verse 13, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, the people that worked in Caesar's palace. The gospel was getting right into the very heart of Rome. There would have been no way that these elite guards would have ever listened to a Jewish missionary on their own. No way at all. Unless, of course, he was chained to them. He was chained to them. They were forced to observe the lifestyle of a man who had been saved by grace. They were forced into it. And at the end of the book of Philippians chapter 4, there is even mention of all of those who came to know the Lord in the house of Caesar. All of the men that Paul's life affected while he was chained to those jailers every single day. The gospel did not just stay though in the palace. 
It pushed its way into other places in Rome. The word of the Lord and the message of his saving grace completely scattered over the entire region of Rome. Christian, in here this morning, did you know that God can take the trials and the tribulations of your life and he can use those things to not only grow you but to also advance his kingdom? They advance his kingdom. Paul, not one time in any of his writings, mentions anything about he himself advancing in some way, shape, or form because he didn't care about that. His passion, coupled with the common passion of the early church, was the furtherance of the gospel. That's what mattered to them. And the gospel did continue to advance. And if you look in verse number 12, where he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, comes from the Greek word meaning to progress, to get further along in or furtherance in. In the circumstances around Paul's imprisonment and the manner in the midst of his trial made it very clear to every person that observed his life that he was not just another prisoner. He was not just another man dealing with some tragedy or loss or hurt or pain. No, he was an emissary of Jesus Christ. He was sent by God with a specific mission. And all of those who witnessed his life converted to Jesus Christ in that moment. The people inside the palace came to know. And so if you're in this room this morning and you're a Christian... You're a follower of Jesus Christ. The trials in your life, whatever it is that you're walking through right now, it provides a really powerful stage on which we get to live out the reality of what it means to follow in the footsteps of Christ. Our problems open up opportunities for the gospel to advance. The second thing I want us to see here in the text is that our problems can often be used by God to encourage other believers. I want you to look back at verse 14. He says, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more, much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's imprisonment gave all of the Christians around him who were not in prison a greater confidence and boldness to share the gospel. They saw that Paul had joy in the midst of his trial and they saw that God would take care of Paul in the midst of that circumstance and trial. They even saw that God could still use him as a prisoner to reach people with the gospel. Man, I, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever known somebody in your life that when you looked at them in the middle of their pain or their loss, you saw strong faith and you saw determination 
You, you saw a willingness to suffer despite any chains that were holding them, whether physical or, or spiritual. You saw somebody who did not want to surrender. They did not want to give it up. There was a confidence inside of them in Jesus Christ. Anybody ever see that or experience that before? You know somebody? Why? Why? Because our tests and our trials become testimonies to other people. That's what God wants. And it was the early church father, Polycarp, the early church father, Polycarp, who had studied and tutored under John the Baptist, who was arrested, and he was told to recant his faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to read to you what he said. He says, 86 years have I served the Lord, and he has done me no wrong. 86 years. How then can I blaspheme the king who saved me? And as they led Polycarp to the center of the Colosseum, and he was about to be nailed in his hands and his feet to a cross and set on fire, he stopped the executioner moments before he was about to be lit on fire. And he said, he who gives me strength to endure the fire will enable me to do so without the help of your nails. And they lit Polycarp on fire. They burned him alive. And moments before his death, he said, I bless you because you have thought me worthy of this day and this hour to be numbered among your martyrs in the cup of Christ. And then you fast forward two centuries to when England was burning pastors and bishops at the stake for sharing the gospel. And there were two men who were influenced by Polycarp. A man by the name of Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley. And this is their picture. These two men. And as they walked to be chained to that post and lit on fire... Latimer turned to Ridley and he said, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer, Master Ridley. Play the man. For this day a light shall be lit. Such a candle in England that I trust by the grace of God will never be put out. Never. To this day there is a spot that you can go and visit. This next picture is what they call the martyr's memorial. People who were sacrificed for sharing the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ. And then this, one day I will visit that one spot where Nicholas Ridley and Hugh Latimer were burned at the stake. Those stones were placed there in the shape of the cross because it was that exact location. That exact location where they would not recant their belief in Jesus Christ. And it was because of those two men. Their sacrifice. That ignited a nation and turned the tide of faith in England. And while we more than likely will never be faced with the prospect of being nailed to a cross and burned at the stake and sacrificing our lives, our lives should burn bright with the passion of Jesus Christ. They should. 
Church, in here this morning, you and I's choice to follow Jesus Christ influences the people around us. And in the midst of those men's darkest days, God used them to drive out fear and instill courage into the lives of those who were lacking confidence and standing up for what they believed in. We seem to live in a day and age not too unlike what Paul lived, where so many people were afraid to take a stand for Jesus Christ. Even in the midst of the so-called freedom that we have here in this country. We fear that we're going to lose uh, favor with the people that we would call friends. Or we, we fear that we're going to lose our family or our coworkers, Or we fear that people would call us names like Jesus freak. Or, or that people would see us as fanatical. We often worry that we're, we're going to become too politically incorrect for speaking the gospel. Or that we're going to offend somebody by sharing the truth. But we, not just here at the well... But the capital C church in America needs to draw from the courage and the conviction of our faithful brothers and sisters that lived a life and died for sharing the gospel because they were unafraid to tell people about Jesus Christ. And so God, please give us, give us a holy backbone. Give us a holy backbone to speak out and live the life that you have called us to live and stand by the beliefs in which are taught in the scripture is a prayer that my wife and I pray all of the time that people would have a backbone to just speak out truth. Man, I've learned so much in the years of ministry, but one thing I have learned that I will never forget the most loving thing that I can do for somebody is to share the gospel, the, the truth with them, no matter what the outcome is. No matter what the outcome, church. When the early church experienced persecution and pain and suffering, their prayer was not God remove the problem or the people. Their prayer in Acts chapter 4, was God give me boldness despite the problem. Give me boldness despite the problem. The early church lived out what Paul would command the Christian to do in the book of Colossians chapter 2. And it's going to hit the screen for you. It says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Have a boldness and a liberty to walk out the gospel truths each and every day, even in the midst of your pain, even in the midst of your trial, even in the midst of your heartache. When, when the storms come, the natural thing for us to do is to focus on ourselves. The natural thing to do is to have a pity party. Why me? Why is this? And listen, I'm just as guilty as the next person. Why? Is a question that we, we like to use. 
And it proves to be such a discouragement to ourselves and to other believers. And it leads to our faith being undermined. Our prayer every single day of this life should be God help us to see that in the midst of our pain and our problems that you desire to build up our faith in this life and in the lives of other people. And our problems can often be used by God as an encouragement for other believers. The third and final thing I want us to see this morning is that our problems allow us to demonstrate joy in the midst of difficulty. I want you to look back at verse number 15. He says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not, necess- uh, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. In these last few verses of this section, Paul begins to reference the people who tried to kick him while he was down. You ever been in that situation? You're in the midst of pain, loss, heartache, suffering, and people begin to attack and attack and attack. And you're like, God, where is this even coming from? What's even going on? They were trying to make Paul look bad when Paul's storm was raging all around him. Some of those people were envious. Some were just blasting him and trying to turn others against his message. But Paul tells us to employ a certain perspective in verse number 18. Paul says, focus on Christ. Focus on, look back at verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Yes, I rejoice. Paul was doing that right there. Focusing on Christ. And that's what you and I have to do. Keep your focus on the Lord. But keep moving. Keep moving. Don't quit in the midst of your pain. Don't become discouraged. Remember the sovereignty of God. Paul knew that the Lord was in control of all of the events, even though he was in in prison. Even though there was an impending trial that was coming in front of Nero. Nero was the man who had Paul killed. Paul made the choice to rejoice. Paul knew that he was going to die. How many of you in here could raise your hand and say, I will rejoice when I find out I'm going to die? Paul says, I'm going to keep rejoicing. You know, Paul is saying, Christ is being preached and that makes me rejoice, period. That's it. Joy is a gift from God based on a person. Jesus Christ. And there's only one thing that can steal our joy, and that's sin. No person, no trial, no circumstance can steal your joy. Sin is the only thing that can. Why? Because it separates us from God. But when we choose, 
When we choose to have a bitter spirit and a critical and cynical and resentful and negative attitude, we are robbing the joy right out of our life, taking it away. Paul lived this life not to to persevere and preserve and promote himself, but to glorify Jesus Christ. And if Jesus should one day decide that we could best glorify him through laying down our lives in some capacity, then we should embrace the opportunity. It's easy for us to dictate to God how he can and cannot be glorified through our lives. It's easy for us to do that. But Paul, he set the example and he wisely left it up to God. God, it's your choice. It's your decision. And that's why, that's why Paul was able to say just a few verses later, for me to live as Christ but to die as gain. So how about it, Christian? How is your joy this morning in the midst of your pain? in the midst of your loss, in the midst of your heartache. How is it? Because we just saw a prisoner's perspective. Man on the way to his death, his perspective. And he says we can't allow our trials and our problems to dictate to us our joy or our worship of God. We can't allow our circumstances to stand in the way of our relationship with Christ and impede the advancement of the gospel. And so church, I'm going to ask you to decide right now to see God in the midst of your pain. To see God, to see his truth in the midst of your pain. Not to complain anymore about what comes your way, but to embrace it, to rejoice, to be sanctified through it, to advance the gospel in it. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord, and we thank you for the truth of your word. God, we pray that we would take this this portion of Scripture and that we would meditate upon these truths that we have learned from it. God, use, uh, use these truths to bring about life change, to bring about conversation. God, I just ask right now that you would, um, that you would fill our joy the more we press into you, that we would worship you and rejoice in the midst of whatever is going on in this life. God, I just ask right now as we get ready to depart that you would give us a sense of of fellowship and that you would bless uh, the food and the time that we have uh, downstairs following this service. And I ask and pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen and amen.